Hello, and welcome to episode 112 of the Colby Cast, your place for community and conversation about pop culture and storytelling. Caleb and Luke are busy searching for rare artifacts that belong in museums, so joining me on this episode to talk about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is the host of Force Ghost Conversations and one of the biggest indie fans I know, <laughs> Anthony King. Welcome to the Colby Cast, Anthony. Thank you. So glad to be here. And what a great introduction. I hope to be uh, among some of the greatest indie fans out there. I mean, it's it's a worthy franchise of devoting fandom to. So thanks for having me on. And uh, I'm glad to return the favor. I know you've been on a couple of my episodes about indie lately. So thrilled to chat about this new installment with you here. Well, I'm thrilled to have you here to do just that. And and I was going to to bring that up definitely because I, I just loved having the conversation with you about uh, The Last Crusade. And then as sort of a surprise bonus, we got to talk about uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which, you know, we ended up having so much more to say about that movie than I expected. And through our conversations about those two films, you know, it just seemed like a wonderful and natural fit to have you on the Colby cast to talk about the newest one. So um, one of the things about the conversations and and also the episodes that I listened to you regarding um, Raiders is your very unique backstory with this film franchise. And I would just love for you to take a minute and give us an opportunity to hear your story about these movies. So please regale us. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll start at the beginning here. So um, I got, I became a big Star Wars fan um, first in my life. First and foremost, Star Wars is like the number one thing that I am so passionate about. I was very fortunate to have had an uncle who um, was my Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you will. He uh, took me to see the special editions in 97. Um, we religiously watched Attack of the Clones in the summer of 2003. We, you know, the last thing that we really did together before he passed away, unfortunately, was in 2005. We saw Revenge of the Sith in the theater together. And he was really like my, I, I mentioned Obi-Wan, and he did a lot of like the early showing me films and TV and stuff like that. And he also, he also got me into history, which is another thing that will factor into this conversation as well. Uh, I'm a big history buff. I studied history in college. Um, I, my first jobs outside of um, school are within history museums and historic sites, et cetera. And it's really been this like very impactful thing in my life to get me to where I'm at today, talking to you here. So he was my, big Obi-Wan Kenobi, if you will. I've said that a few times already. Um, but once he passed, uh, <laughs> I, you know, he was the one really leading the charge for me to like watch various films and, and stuff like that. And certainly Star Wars is a big one. My mom, on the other hand, was kind of a person that... I don't know, for better or for worse, she had some strict rules in play. Let's just call it that. Um, I don't think she would have probably let me watch Star Wars if uh, if it were up to her. She definitely wasn't a fan of me watching The Simpsons either, which is another thing that my uncle got me super uh, big fan of. Uh, and basically, there is a, a litany of films that I had never seen before in, in my life that I've been trying to rectify in my early 20s. Um, once I hit Once I hit college... I was trying to like learn the pop culture zeitgeist of all these films that uh, either like inspired Star Wars or came out at the same time as Star Wars or just with these 80s and 90s films that really inspired or were inspired by Star Wars. Like that's the thing that I love seeing is when like I can find bits and pieces in movies that are like 
connections to Star Wars, or I'm like, oh, that's a clear lineage from where uh, Lucasfilm started in 1977 with The New Hope and all that stuff. So obviously, one would think that like Indiana Jones would be right up my alley, right? You're a person that loves Star Wars. You love Steven Spielberg movies. You love Lucasfilm. All this stuff. And you're, you're a big history buff, too, right? All that stuff compiles together into like theoretically this should be my franchise yeah. and on paper you would think yes that is correct however <laughs> for whatever reason again my mom dug her toes in the sand and said you're not watching this this is not you know for it's not for you you're not ready for this yet makes no absolute sense when you look at the other things i was able to watch in my life with her supervision all this other stuff um i was able to watch like the american pie movies another rated r film saving private ryan is another great example i saw these like knocked up and 40 year old virgin like these movies with her in the theater that like it makes no sense but where she's like batman 89 no <laughs> superman 78 no beetlejuice no the godfather no <laughs> and of course uh, the cherry on top of all this is indiana jones um so when i hit finally hit college and uh, i'm a, a let's paint the scene for everybody i'm a junior at this point in my collegiate career uh, i'm a second semester uh maybe technically a senior at this point, frankly, because I graduated early. Um, so it's March of 2016. I'm 21. I'm hanging out in my dorm room as one does on a Saturday night. And uh, I went over to the library to do some studying before. And then uh, in your college library, there's also a vast film collection for those that are in school or uh, are local to a library. You know, check out your local library's uh, film department or you know, section if you will and uh there might be a ton of films there that you've never seen before and that's frankly where i was like oh i could rent raiders of the lost ark tonight and um, watch that so that's frankly what i did I also did a double feature with blade runner too i really did a full harrison ford evening that night and um yeah went back to to my dorm put it in and uh let's just say as soon as i saw the paramount logo switch from the, the mountain that we all know and love is the Paramount logo to the mountain in South America. And then, of course, it leads to the rest of the indie MacGuffin of finding the fertility idol. I was hooked. I said, this is amazing. This is not only is it Harrison Ford, George Lucas and all that stuff, but I just I was entranced in the story of this archaeologist professor who goes out into the into the wild literally trying to find and save in my opinion a lot of these great historical artifacts from being prisoners of regimes dark regimes the nazis right all these different uh competing factors so i saw raiders that night i be it started my fandom right then and there and uh as a graduation present to myself when i graduated that the next following december i i purchased the blu-ray set of all four films to that point and uh once i received those and i on sequential days i watched uh, temple of doom last crusade kingdom of the crystal skull and absolutely fell in love with each of those films respectively as well and then I did the deep dives into the behind the scenes features uh, that accompanied the DVDs, all the documentaries. And man, I, I'm still hooked to this day. I was very fortunate to see Dial of Destiny last night in preparation for this, but I was also planning to do that anyways. Um, and uh, that's that's really where my fandom comes to this point. Yeah, I got tons of indie action figures behind me. I've got the Cup of Christ downstairs. Uh, um it's it's a, a wonderful franchise that I hope that more people are discovering because of uh, it now being available readily on Disney Plus 
And um, of course, the anticipation of this film now being out and everyone that I'm seeing for the most part is having great reviews about it, um, at least in the circles that I follow. People are loving it. They're having a, a wonderful blast enjoying this summer blockbuster. And frankly, that's, that's, that's where I'm at right now. So thank you for letting me, me share my, uh, my tirade there about how I came to this point. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, I was one of the highlights of the things, one of the things I looked forward to most is hearing you tell that story again, because I just find it so fascinating. And as a parent myself, you know, my wife and I have made decisions about what we don't want the kids to watch and what is okay to watch. And I'm not sure that there's any rhyme or reason. So I think I can identify really well with your mom and whatever concerns she may have had, not letting you watch the movies. Um, and, and, I'm sure she has her good reasons, but what a wonderful uh, part of the story for me is your uncle. And first of all, I'm so sorry that you had to experience that loss. I, I, we've all lost important people in our lives and it's never an easy thing, but look at the legacy that he, that he has left for you. Right. And the path that he put you on. And it's a really beautiful thing. Um, and the fact that you have just enjoyed history so much and that you can appreciate where pop culture and stories and movies and film TV shows, what part that plays in history, because I'm of the opinion that it's a very, very big part that can't be ignored. So you not only being a fan, but also looking at it as from that point of view as well is uh is such an awesome part of your experience with this franchise specifically, but also with pop culture and, in, in in general. So, you know, bravo to you for taking it on and, and becoming such a good fan and, and, um, and going backwards because it would be easy and it is easy for many people of a certain age to just sort of like say, okay, well, you know, that was never my thing. I'm just going to leave it where it's at. And unfortunately, a lot of people will miss out on that, but you, you haven't, you're going after it. And like I said, I, you know, I think you're one of the biggest indie fans that I know. Uh, it doesn't matter what your history is with the movies whether you watch it on a big screen, a small screen, or an even smaller screen like a phone, you know, you're enjoying the franchise and you can appreciate um, the stories for what they have. So that's, that's great. I love it. Um, oh, thank you so much on that. Uh, I, it just leads me to a, a, a comment that I've heard recently that just really sums up how I think is a really healthy approach to rediscovering movies is that just because something is older or in the past, like a film that might've come out from the seventies or the sixties or something like that. Don't look at it as just being an old film and to disregard it. Right. Even if it's old, it's still new to you if it's the first time you've seen it. So just let the experience ride itself out and enjoy the ride. And that's basically what happened for me. And, you know, it's been interesting that, I, you know, I've shared the story a few times now over the course of uh, the, the indie discussions that I've had. Um, and in talking with my wife off, off air, we really think that my mom just didn't like these movies and she didn't want to watch them again. That's, that's basically where we're landing on these here. We're, we're, we've determined that she just didn't want to watch these one more. She might've seen them once in the eighties. She might've caught it on VHS or a rental or on TV at some point. And she was just like, Nope, I, I don't need to see this again. And, and if he watches it, he'll become obsessed with it. He'll want to watch it all over again. I already have to deal with Star Wars enough. Like, I couldn't couldn't keep that away from him. <laughs> she's, so. she's like, you already have your Harrison Ford property. You can't have two. That's it. Basically, not- <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, hey. She was like, you're not, you're not going on, you know, you're not watching Witness. You're not watching Air Force <laughs> One. <Yeah>. You're, <laughs> no, no Jack no, Ryan movies. Yeah, no Jack Ryans, that's right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
uh, you know, like I said, she's mom. She has the right. She has that privilege. <laughs> well, so and that leads us to current day. That's the that is the uh, the past that belongs in a museum. What about the present? Yes. What was it like? You said you mentioned you mentioned uh, you went to go see it. I did too, or else we wouldn't have much to say about this movie, <laughs> would we? Um, yes, let's see it, folks. That's a great job. Yep. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Um, <laughs> one of the things that Caleb, Luke, and I always like to do is we sort of talk about our theater experience when we go to see a movie. Because uh, I have my, my my kids have strong opinions. And uh, sometimes it doesn't always come through in their conversations with me on this, but sometimes it does. And one of the thing, one of the times that it usually does is the theater experience. Luke does not like going to movie theaters. He's just of that ilk that he would rather watch everything on. He was, he's okay with watching it on his phone. Um, he just, and that's fine. You know, things have changed. Uh, Caleb is okay. I guess it depends on the movie. He says, you know, some movies uh, he'll go to the theater. Some, some he won't. I love the movie theater. I grew up in movie theaters. Um, so uh, I enjoy, you know, I would go, I remember the days of going and watching, you know, what we would only watch on Netflix now, but it was at the movie theater, you know, rom-coms and these personal stories between two or three people. Um, nothing that had to be seen or witnessed on a massive screen or with the best sound system, but we still went to the theaters and watched it. Uh, you know, so where do you land in that conversation and and how was your theater experience for <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Dollar Destiny? Well, first off, I will say I love this movie theater going experience. Um in general, generally, I am a Regal Unlimited member, so I go as much as, and often as I can to the movie theater and make the most out of my unlimited pass uh for that purpose. Um I love seeing films in different formats. Um, I'm not opposed to just doing standard, def, you know, the standard movie theater experience, but I will, we also have an RPX theater in, in our neighborhood, um, which has basically like a rumbling seat. Um, and we also have a screen X theater, which is like a 270 viewpoint, um, depending on where you sit, like you can see peripherally a lot further. Um, so that's really great. And, um, of course I love, I, I, if I could, I would see every movie in 3d personally, cause I love the depth perception that it provides, um, but, uh, for whatever reason, like 2019 and of course the pandemic that faded away, um, it started to resurge a little bit with, um, avatar Two release, but, um, we'll see if that sticks any, any further here, but generally I do, I do try to see just about every movie I can in the theater. Um, my wife and I generally go once a week if we can, um, um, you know, we get so hooked into the once once you're in like the theater system, you kind of don't stop. Like you see trailers for stuff and you're just like, yeah, I'll go see that. Especially when you're an unlimited member, because you really are like, I have to use it at least twice a month in order for it to like have any value. But also it's not that hard to hit two a month. There's a lot of great stuff coming out in cinema these days. Um, the, the summer season isn't really just the summer season anymore. Uh, you, you, frankly, it's it's all year round at this point, and it allows you to see movies again. You're not so like shoehorned in to like going to see something in July and and December, and that's your two movies for the year. Like we really get to take some chances on films that we wouldn't have no normally seen in the cinema, and that's really paid out for the better for us. Like a lot of these Oscar films that are really excellent that don't necessarily get like more than two weeks in the box in the in the cinema, we've been able to see and. 
we've been really big fans of that experience. But so generally, I would see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny at our local movie theater, and I will be for subsequent viewings of this movie. But for this, um, so I currently live in the Washington, D.C. area right now. But growing up, I grew up um, in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Uh, you may know Hershey chocolate and all that. Um, that's heard of the it. Yeah, I've heard of yes. that. <laughs> that's that's uh, where, I, where I grew up was uh, where that is made in that general area. Um, around there, there, when I was a kid with my uncle, we used to go to a, a drive-in movie theater. Um, I would do double features um, every weekend during the summer season, of course. And um, I've seen very weird double features there in my lifetime. Madagascar and A Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy stands out as being a very, very interesting couple of films, especially for a nine-year-old at the time. <laughs> Tur- yeah, uh, very- Jurassic Park 3 and Terminator 3 was another one that stands out of being like, what am I doing here? <laughs> very different flavor pro- profiles there going on with the yes. uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And I think with the pandemic, um, drive-ins really resurged as a place that you could go see movies again. And um, I really wanted to celebrate that. Um, once more, I think, you know, even for fun during the pandemic in our house, I would bring up that same spirit again. I would invoke that with my wife and I would make dinner for the two of us and I would turn on, you can go onto YouTube and just search up like old drive-in movie ads and, um, I would play them while we eat and then I would do a double feature that night. We'd watch some movies that we haven't seen before. And we usually start with like a kid friendly one in the first showing. And then for the next one, we do like a more, you know, R-rated probably film while the kids are supposed to be asleep and all that. Um, so we did that a lot. And I thought like, you know, what what great instance would be to like celebrate that movie going experience. Um, but I, I honestly, it makes sense to do that for me with Indiana Jones more so than any other film because it, it invokes the summer blockbuster, blockbuster season. It's a film that has deep connections and ties to the 80s of it all. Um so it's a real great lineage, in my opinion. So um, I always keep an eye out on this local. It's not local. It's two hours away at this point. So <laughs> um, <laughs> I keep my eye out because they release it like on a Tuesday for the week. They don't like announce their showings in advance, what they're going to do, because they really want to see like what the audience is into. Um, so on Tuesday, when that came out, I saw that they were doing I, cause I, I had this in thought in the back of my head for a little while now that we should probably do this. Um, uh, they were doing a double feature of Indiana Jones and the Boogeyman, which is um, a horror film that based off a of Stephen King short story, I believe that I, I saw it a few m- weeks ago in the cinema um, features actually little Leia from uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that's it, a really good horror movie. So I would actually highly recommend that to people, fans of uh, horror. Um, if you're looking for a great modern horror movie, um, I think that was really something great there. Um, my wife didn't see it yet. So I was like, okay, great. It'd be a good double feature for the two of us. And then I'll drive us home afterwards. So, um, also to add more depth to the story here, um, for Christmas, my wife got me like a, like a coupon book, if you will, which she made herself where it was like, um, I could at any time I want within reason, like use these various coupons that she had, which is like, I'll make dinner for you. I'll make your lunch for you. Um, so at this point I had three left in um in my coupon book from christmas still which was wild card which i could use for anything date night which basically means like dinner and um movie night and i was like okay great we're gonna make a whole day of this experience here so for us to get from where we're at to where this movie theater is in pennsylvania it's about a two-hour drive 
And there are a couple stops along the way that I think would uh, really great experiences in our lives. And, you know, I just wanted to have these fun kind of stepping stones on the way to get there. So at about an hour away from where we live is Frederick, Maryland. It's a, that's where I went to college at actually. And, um, they have two great record shops there. So I used my wild card to go record hunting. <laughs> so what we did was we went, I, I bought, I spent like $150 on records yesterday and tapes. And now I'm all set. I'm satiated for a while in terms of new music uh, for my collection. here. So we did that first. And then an hour, not necessarily an hour, but 45 minutes more up the road, same highway too. So it's very easy to just do these one-off excursions. So we did that around four o'clock, five o'clock. 530 ish. We're up at this. We're up in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, which of course you may know is a Civil War battlefield site. Um, uh, so actually, there's a wonderful pizza shop there called Tommy's Pizza. <laughs> so, I'll be honest, some of the best pizza I've ever had in my life. It is worth driving an hour and a half just to get that that darn pizza. So it, it's all in the sauce. It's all in the sauce. If they bottled up that sauce, I would buy it by the truckload. So if anyone's ever close by in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania or in the area, it's worth worth the drive to get there um so we, we got ourselves a large pizza we had you know some snacks and all that we ate that of course it is also as we were there the 160th anniversary of the battle of gettysburg so the town is packed with people it's basically like a star wars <laughs> celebration but for civil war enthusiasts if you will all converging on this site this small town in pennsylvania at the same time <laughs> we were th- thrilled and fortunate that we were able to get a seat at this pizza shop because usually it's packed on a saturday night regardless but you you add thirty thousand people coming for reenactments and scholarly you know conference sessions and all that stuff taking place and just people touring the battlefield for july 4th weekend already um we did that and then we uh once we concluded our dinner we went uh up the road about 40 minutes to dillsburg pennsylvania which is where this drive-in takes place at and uh, we got in there, we got set, we were all ready to go. And um, all day long, it had been threatening that there might be rain. <laughs> so, <laughs> and of course, this is a rain or shine uh, 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 drive-in theater. So we get there and we're all set up. Windows are down. It's a gorgeous night up to that point. The movie starts at 8.55 sharp for Dial of Destiny. And of course, that's when the rain starts coming down. And, you know, made it through about the first first part of the film before it really started pouring down pretty hard to the point where we have to roll up all the windows. Like, it's starting to splash inside the car. And I'm sure as people can imagine, right, like, you know, when you close up the windows and all that stuff and there's no, like, defroster on inside a car... Um, you start to fog up the windshield just by breathing inside naturally. Um, so basically I spent most of the movie also in 90 degrees because like it's, you're hot inside the car. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) fortunately we're listening to it on this like FM radio that I bought three years ago because we thought we'd be going to more drive-ins. We didn't know how long the pandemic would be lasting. Um, so uh, I had that set up so I could have that on full blast at least so I could hear it. But we're both kind of squinting through the fog and the 
the pelting rain that is coming down to watch this movie. So it's basically like, let's imagine I'm sitting in like a, like a water tank trying to watch a movie. That was kind of our experience watching. Oh my gosh. So two, of course this movie's two hours and a half, two hours and a half of, of, of greatness. But um, yeah, we're like, I think that's what's happening. I, I think that's the dial of destiny. Is that Harrison Ford? Who's coming in here? <laughs> Um, so all aside, that was the experience we had seeing it. We could not stay for the second one. I could not do another (laughs) hour and a half of, of that. Like you can't watch a horror movie through that lens of, of that. Like it was hard enough picking out the action sequences. Like there's a whole sequence in this movie where they're talking about eels and going underwater. And could you imagine trying to look at an underwater sequence when you're already looking underwater? Like that's a double (laughs) filter right there. (laughs) Um, I know. And we had all like, we had a ton of snacks in the back and all that. And I'm just like, I'm sticking to my seat basically. Like you can't turn the air on. We can't defrost anything because it's just going to fog up right away. Right. As soon as it, like, it got to a point where it was starting to slow down. We're like, all right, we'll pull down the windows. We'll, we'll make it. Nope. Then it just a second oh later, run down on us again. We pull them up. And, you know, I was just a little bummed because, like, everything went so great in the day up until, like, it started playing. And just, it is what it is. You take you run the risk of this. Um, I will definitely be seeing it more times again. But through all of that, let me just say, I love this movie. So let's just say, like, if I'm able to say that just by mostly hearing it and being distracted by a lot of different things around me and being literally, like, glued to my car seat <laughs> as it's hot, I'm sweating, like I'm getting definitely uh, getting frustrated and, and bummed out that I'm not able to like fully have the viewing experience I wanted to have for this movie. Um, if I'm still at the end of the day able to come out of all that and say like this movie rocked, I think that's a real testament to actually what I saw on screen there and what people are seeing around us nowadays because they're going out to see this movie and I, I'm thrilled that it exists. So that is uh, my experience. I, I, I hope that you had a more like just general. I saw I went to the movie theater. You got your icy, uh, you know, you, you got your popcorn. You, you had a great time watching it in a nice air conditioned theater and then went home. <laughs> I am just I'm gobsmacked by your story <laughs> and I and I don't mean please don't take my laughter as in any bad way because I think it's just absolute relief that I didn't have that I wasn't experiencing that because I think maybe I could have lasted through the rain I could have lasted through the you know wiping off the windshield with the 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 fog but if you're talking about 90 degree temperatures I'm out that's 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 where I would have been like, you know what? We're throwing in the towel here. Let's drive to the closest cin- cineplex because, oh, holy moly. Good for well, first of all, good for you for having the positive attitude to power through and still give the movie a shake because that a fair shake, I should say, because that experience right there in and of itself is enough to be like, I hate it and I'll never see this movie again when it's absolutely not its fault. Right. And then secondly, you actually answered the, an, a question that I was going to ask you, which was, were you still able to enjoy the movie experience yes. as a movie experience? So that's great. I mean, I'm glad I'm glad you did because you had every excuse in the book to totally not. <laughs> <laughs> no, and for sure, like, 
you know, I, I definitely attest Mrs. Forsco's conversations for for cooling me down as we had a, of course, a two hour drive home after this. Like <laughs> we're not out of the woods yet. And, you know, for the first 30 to 45 minutes, we're still in a downpour of rain as we're driving out of this storm here that was just seemingly lingering over this area of Pennsylvania. Um so I'm like also dealing with like it's it it's pummeling, man. It's just coming down. And I'm like, I can barely see the road. <laughs> she she turns on the John Williams soundtrack as we're doing this. And I'm like, it's okay. It's okay. And then we get we we talked like I cooled down. We've got the air running in the in the car. Like everything went back to a status of like, okay, I'm just at most I'm just bummed that like, we didn't get to like have like the ultimate experience and like everything else in the day went so good too. Well, you um, know, in 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 a way, you, that experience is still out there for you because you're going to go see it again. Yes, yeah. So basically, when I see again. it, I'll see it again for the yeah. first time, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> and you're gonna, and you will like it even more. And it sounds like you already liked it a lot. So, um, totally. my uh, yeah, our theory, theater experience was was way more uh, <laughs> way more standard than yours. Normal. I, yes. I, I didn't get I didn't get the wild cherry icy though because the only what? unique part about ours was because we actually caught a 930 in the morning screening of it which I don't know Does if that stops you from getting a, a cherry yeah icy? I just couldn't do it in my own head I'm like you know I'm not even <sighs> sure I've had breakfast yet so oh that is the breakfast of kings though you gotta, <laughs> you gotta get it next time next time yeah I just couldn't justify it in my brain and our, our theater actually got cold so I, I'm so sorry it's like the exact I was so comfortable <laughs> yeah we, very we saw it in the recliners <laughs> we had our, our feet up and so it's the a polar opposite of your experience Anthony so so I, I feel like I should apologize for that, but I know I don't. So. <laughs> yeah, don't don't apologize. I I bought the tickets. It it was totally my choice. It's like you roll the dice when it comes to these type of like experiential, you know, type of experiences. And um, you know, sometimes you it win, sometimes is. you don't. Much like indie. Sometimes you totally. get the artifact, sometimes you don't. <laughs> totally, totally. Now I will say, you know, I was able to see a lot of that first half of this movie very well. And 80-year-old Harrison Ford looks great. I saw him with his shirt off, guys. He looks phenomenal. He looks better than I mean, me. <laughs> he, he looks better than me, too. Yeah. I'm, I'm like, man, going, I got a goal. This is my goal he, when I'm 80. <laughs> not only is he a movie star, but he's a rock star. I mean, he's like, yeah, Stephen, James, George, I'll rock the shirt off scene. That's fine with me. I'll oh walk gosh. around in my boxers yeah, and dude, socks. Yeah, dude, just in his boxers. Like, and yeah. I've even seen in, uh, you know, it's funny because my next, uh, my next thing I wanted to get to was to talk about Harrison Ford. So we're just naturally doing that. So let's talk about Harrison Ford for a minute. Oh, and totally. It's a good jumping off point because yeah, he, he, he just, he even said in interviews, that was one of his favorite scenes to, to film was, was the, I believe good it. it's one of my favorite scene. to watch. <laughs> and I love the fact, even though they rocked the Rolling Stones in the trailer, that scene was full on Beatles. I almost mm-hmm. came out of my seat because mm-hmm. I love the Beatles and Magical Mystery Tour is blasting at his neighbor's place. And uh, I was like, yes, yes, this is fantastic. Um, but talk to me a little too, bit yeah. about Harrison Ford. Let, let me know what you think about him as a as just a movie star, as a person, your your experience with his movies, and then hit me with your favorite Harrison Ford movie that is not a Star Wars or indie film. Oh, great! Happy to do all that. Yeah. So, um, let me just start at the at the uh, in follow up to that. Like, also, I love in that same sequence how he's grumpy. I love grumpy old people. Uh, he's uh, he's basically get off my lawn, but he's turn he's like turn down that radio. It's it's nine o'clock. Yeah, what are you guys doing here? <laughs> 
zombies are trying to sleep here. I'm like, man, I also aspire to be that. I also aspire to be that level of grumpy when I'm his age. So uh, totally, totally love that whole sequence. Uh, it's a great way to, to start the, the next phase. Of course, that's not technically the opening scene of that movie. But um, uh, of course, we got to see the younger Harrison Ford, or at least the de-aged Harrison Ford in that first sequence there. Yeah, I, I, to me, I guess like Harrison is certainly what I would consider to be like the modern age film, mo- like film star, if you will, like a movie top bill movie star. Like, in my opinion, I, I mean, this guy for especially like our 80s films and seven late 70s films that we love, like I just in, in my opinion, like he is the first one that like just by the fact that his name is attached to the movie, it will sell tickets um i can't think of anybody else before his time really i mean like a john wayne maybe but like his films weren't necessarily blowing up the box office the way that like harrison ford certainly did like star wars indiana jones of course the other things that he'll do in his career like if harrison's attached to a film like it it'll probably do well um and and his style of like how he handles himself in hollywood and, and with interviews as well is also I think that a lot of stars either of, of his like, you know, contemporaries a little bit or to up, up to today, try to emulate. Like, I think like a Tom Cruise certainly tries to emulate what Harrison Ford, a, a Will Smith as well. Um, and uh, I, I, I think that, you know, he's really the gold standard for the modern movie star. I think in a way too, similarly to like, you know, it, Raiders of the Lost Ark is arguably like the first action movie. I think you could also make the argument like I've been for the last uh, couple minutes here. Harrison Ford is probably like the, the top build top movie star. Like he this is certainly a guy that you want in your movie and you will do just about anything you can to get this man in your movie these days. I, I know he's he's somewhat picky when it comes to the roles that he wants to be a part of. And, uh, you know, it, it's a great honor to have him on set. He's certainly like the consummate actor like he certainly gives 100 percent when he's on on screen i don't think he's ever really quote-unquote phoned in a role before um and he certainly has like this charisma on 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 uh, on camera that is hard to replicate um i don't think I, many of them emu- have tried to emulate it but few have r- rarely achieved what he's been able to do and he also has this like everyday common man nature about him whether it be through the characters or the writing but I think to a degree, it's largely his performance that really lends us to like either want to be like him or see ourselves in him through these, you know, wacky, weird characters that he's portrayed over his career. Right. Like, you know, I, I will never be Han Solo, but I can try to be Han Solo if I want to be. <laughs> or again, like, you know, I, I could try to become an archaeologist if I wanted to. But, you know, I may not necessarily achieve full Ph.D. marks, but I can certainly get there if, <laughs> if, I, if I try my hardest and, and all of that and work in a museum and, you know, have the same tenets and, and belief systems as these guys. But at the end of the day, I think, yeah, Harrison Ford is certainly is um, uh, just uh, it will be a sad, like, you know, he will not be with us forever. Uh, all of us won't be around in, in eternity. We will not be here. And it will be a definitely a very sad day when, when uh, we lose Harrison Ford. I'm not looking forward to that day at all. Um, but he certainly is a character, an, an actor that um, is, is both new and old school Hollywood at the same time. Like he's just this great bridge between worlds that I think really lends to why he's been so popular over 
this this almost 50 year honestly it's probably 50 years yeah it's 50 years since american graffiti so 50 year career this man has had um so those are kind of my thoughts on him yeah well, he certainly has the corner on that fallible action hero, right? Uh, that relatable every man that you're that you're saying, uh, you know, he wasn't ripped like Arnold Schwarzenegger was in the '80s. Uh, he's not a superhero. He's not the calculating Ethan Hawke type of planner, right? He even says uh, in Raiders, he's just making this up as he goes. <laughs> and and it was the '80s, the era of action heroes. Uh, a lot of people talked about John McClane in Die Hard as being a similar type. And a lot of people would say, oh, he's the first time we saw uh, an action movie hero like that. But no, I, I think it was Indy before it was John McClane. Uh, and Harrison Ford makes it work. Like, he makes that work. And it's not an easy line to navigate. Um, so, of his robust filmography, what's your favorite Harrison Ford movie? Hmm, that's, a, that's a really great question. Because this guy's got a lot. And honorable mention because he's not a lead in the role. I want to say 42 because I think that his work uh, as Branch Rickey is just that film stands the test of time. Like that's definitely um, a phenomenal movie. What it's, what it means for the Jackie Robinson story and for engaging a whole new audience, perhaps with that, with that tale and, 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 and moving that story forward. Um, I, I think that's, that's, I would say like, that's a great honorable mention, but I think personally, I think some of his best acting is certainly Blade Runner. Um, that would be where I go with with that one. Um, I think that this this character in, in Rick Deckard um, it showcases like this gravitas to Harrison Ford's acting. Like, sure, he can he can act in a blockbuster, and I'm not downing that blockbusters are any different or a lesser form of cinema than, than others, but critics certainly would. <laughs> so and from their viewpoint, if you will, I gotta say, like, um, you know, something that fits both categories for me, just great acting, great charisma, a person that's able to have these great monologues and inner monologues. And also like what's not spoken on screen is certainly, you know, it stands out a lot in Blade Runner for me. And as a film that gets more rich as I watch it, with, with each subsequent watching, like I just appreciate his performance more and more and more in that movie. Um, so I think that one certainly is one that really you get the full array of Harrison Ford acting capabilities. Um, so that's where I go with that one. And, and I think it's the most, aside from like supporting actor roles, like we're, we're talking Harrison Ford is the main guy. Um, him being like a, a, a noir detective is certainly the most left field thing. And, and I will say that's probably not the most box office successful one of Harrison Ford of the time. Um, but they, he took a swing on that one. I think that's certainly one of his most artistic performances, I think, at this point. I don't know if you know this about me, uh, and I might just make you fall off your chair, but I've never seen it. I've never seen that one, and it's definitely one that's on the list. Uh, I want to watch it. I just, I just got to find the right time, and I would like to watch the follow up to that one, which came out recently too. Yes, certainly. The sequel is arguably just as good as the the original. I mean, we're talking Empire level, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's definitely on the list to see. I, I got to watch those. Uh, for me, though, I love The Fugitive. I absolutely love that movie. Oh, yeah. And it's sort of low-hanging fruit there. I'm not rocking anybody's world by picking that as my favorite Harrison Ford movie besides the Star Wars or indie films. But I'll sit there and watch that over and over. If it's on the screen, I'm stopped in my tracks. Uh, his performance in that is incredible. He just plays that 
consummate cool doctor. Uh, I absolutely fell in love with his beard from the beginning. And even though it's an action movie, it's also a very tense thriller. I, I could gush about it. I could go on and on. But I, I can't talk too long about it because I wanted to mention the TV series that he recently did with Jason Segel, uh, which is called Shrinking. Uh, I don't know if you've seen that. It's on Apple TV. That show alone, well, and Ted Lasso, is worth paying for the service for a month and binging through those shows. Uh, Shrinking is up there with what might be a top three all-time performance from Harrison Ford, at least top three favorite for me. Um, He plays a mentor to a counselor or a therapist, uh, which is uh, Jason Segel. And Jason Segel is going through a tough time. Harrison Ford's character's name is Paul. Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about it. Just watch it. It's just, it's a must-watch Harrison Ford performance, in my opinion. And it deserves its place in his body of work. So let's get into The Dial of Destiny. After hearing about your extremely unique experience with this movie, uh, we'll give, well, you know what, we'll give our, our official war- spoiler warning. Uh, we're going to get into spoilers now about Dial of Destiny, as much as Anthony can after watching it through a monsoon. <laughs> so um, so what were some of your favorite parts, some scenes, dialogue, or any moments in the film that stood out to you? Yeah, so first and foremost, I think that opening sequence of 1944, uh, Germany, France on the train, um, the, the, the de-aging was off the charts to me. Um, we came a long way since, uh, you know, Tron and Tron Legacy in 2010, where it's really the first instance I've seen um, a de-aging like that, um, all the way through to Tarkin in 2016, Rogue One, and then... Uh, of course, Luke Skywalker, both versions of Luke Skywalker, if you will, and uh, <laughs> Mando season two and Book of Boba Fett, um, which I think Book of Boba Fett really, you know, that's that's leaps and bounds forward in terms of this technology to make it really look seamless. But this Harrison Ford de-aging sequence that they did, I mean, golly gee, that I it's amazing to me how like I I never got to see the, the vintage Harrison Ford in the cinema, right? So just because of my age and, and all that stuff. So frankly, this is like the first time that I've ever gotten to see prime Harrison Ford on, on a screen. And it was so believable. We're talking, this man could have literally walked off the set of witness <laughs> or, uh, you know, temple of doom, 19, 1985, 1986, Harrison Ford, or even last crusade era. Right. Uh, all that stuff. And man walked right onto the dial. Of, they almost like filmed this in 1990 and then said, well, we'll hold this footage for 30 years. And then if you make another one, here's your opening act sequence. That's basically what it felt like watching this whole thing. It was absolutely flawless. That's so correct. Yeah. He he just embodied this wonderful... It, it, there was no lag at all of the Harrison Ford that we know from the, if you will, the original Indiana Jones trilogy into this into this new um, iteration, uh, new, new movie, if you will. So that really stood out for me. I don't want to hijack your train of thought, so we'll get uh, to more gushing about the movie here in a second. But I did want to comment on the de-aging as well. Uh, and one of, and my one thought on that, and not only do I mirror everything you just said, but they were not afraid of highlighting that de-aging process. They, they literally shined lights like right on his face. Like you have to be impressed by this. And I know I was, so yeah, go ahead. They, they knew how good they did it. And they were like, yeah, 
we, you guys want to see how scary good this technology is nowadays? Like, this is it. And uh, I, I'm excited for the future, frankly, as to what this in, entails. Like, I remember sitting in Rogue One, my first viewing, and my initial thought was like, wow, that's so cool. Grand Moff Tarkin is back. Also, Leia, too. And I thought, my next thought was, well, what does this mean for the future? <laughs> what can we do next with this technology? What can we do with that? And of course, we're getting into that with AI and, um, you know, getting the, the writers are on strike and actors may go on strike. Like these are conversations that they need to have right now in regards to this ever evolving technology, which I'm glad that they're doing. But as a fan, as a person who enjoys this content, I'm very much looking forward to the fact that these stories don't have to end. That, you know, if, if the actor gives permission for certain things, like certain stories don't need to have conclusion points. And um, if a story works and they want to, you know, go down a certain path, then by all means, uh, the technology could be there for them to do these, these incredible works of, of art, if you ask me. So uh, I love that whole sequence. It felt so indie, um, if you will, if that's even a phrase. But yeah, that, that's how I felt for that. So for me, other other sequences of this movie that I really enjoyed, I love full spoiler. I thought that both the third act of like them going back in time was so bonkers, yet I loved it. Like, I, of course, we've talked at length about how bonkers this franchise is already. Like, nothing should surprise you. So when I'm seeing people online, that's the only criticism I'm seeing, frankly, from people is like the third act. Like, that's where it starts to lose me. And I'm like, really? That's where it starts to lose you? what faces melted in the first one like come on now like come on him going back in time is not a far-fetched thing at all it, it evens itself out i mean frankly the way that's portrayed in this movie it's meant to happen right like he's meant they're meant to find it they go back they, they talk to archimedes they go back like that's the circle of time it's just a never-ending loop that you know nothing's gonna break that cycle it was meant to happen right um at least in my interpretation through the fog and the water. <laughs> um, so I, I thought that whole sequence was great. Like the fact that we also got to see from what I could tell Harrison Ford, like visualizing this, um, this act of history that this man has studied for so long that he's, you know, you see him in the beginning where he's on this, that uh, uh, overhead. I, I had to remember what they're called overheads. It's been so long since I've seen an acting, uh, an active overhead in a classroom before. <laughs> And um, uh, for him to be talking about this, this uh, that that siege at Syracuse, um, and to actually then see it, like man, I always, I mean, as a fan of history, I always am a proponent proponent of like, yeah, you can read about it in books and you can imagine things and stuff like that, but I, you have to actually be there at a certain point. Like you have to, if you, if you're that much of a fan of it, like make the effort out to go to these places, go to the historic sites, go to the museums where they have these artifacts on display. Make like seeing is believing to a certain degree. Like you see, so you get details that your brain just can't comprehend from either a photograph or reading it in a book. Like I'm such a big proponent when it comes to all that stuff. So for him to actually, and Harrison Ford does this great from what I could tell um, him just like soaking it all in is, it's just such so powerful. And it's your viewing of it is correct <laughs> because one of my favorite parts about that whole sequence is that Harrison Ford sold it. Like he absolutely sold it. I mean, he's sitting there talking about just leave me here. I want to live this history. Uh, he made that whole sequence relatable and something that I absolutely enjoyed immensely. 
And I love how the, they called the planes dragons because the people in that time are trying to figure this out, make it work in their head, right? So, yeah, that, that, that's my two cents on that scene. Totally, totally. And I, I, I couldn't agree more. Actually, I also loved, you know, well, we can talk about the side characters um, later on, but in that whole sequencer where he's literally like, I just want to, you know, let me die, basically. There's such a, a trope about that in movies, especially of late. I, f- I feel like, may, I know, of course, I can't think of any examples coming to my head, but I feel like I've seen this in the last 20 years where, act, where characters in that are in the end of their franchise are just like sitting there looking at like a sunset, if you will, and they're just like, let me die, basically. The only time I can think of it really is like in Breaking Bad with Mike, where he's like, you know, just let me die here. Just let me die in silence and all that stuff. Um, it was basically what's her- it was Indy's moment where he wanted that, and you know, Helen is like, no, you're coming back with me. And she just literally is like, so sorry, I'm <laughs> like, stop being stupid. <laughs> you're coming back. Like, I I applauded that moment. I even through the fog, fog and being stuck in 90 degrees sweat to my stuck to my chair. I, I was like, yes, finally, some reason. <laughs> finally, like a character, a side character is just like, no, stop being stupid. <laughs> Have some reason here. <laughs> Yeah, that was so well executed. He said, I have to do this. And, and she said, I have to do this too. And then she just cranks him. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Yeah, I have to do this too. Stop being dumb. <laughs> You're coming back. Um, so th- th- those were like, of course, bookends of the movie, right? So that those were all great. Um, in terms of like a dialogue, emotional heartbeat sequence. Um, I think you and I, we, we discussed at the end of the Crystal Skull episode, we were like, you know, how do we want this to continue? Cause they're going to have to address some questions, right? We were like, clearly the Marion of it all needs to be addressed to address the, the mutt of it all needs to be addressed. And when Helena was like, what would you do if you could go back in time? Like, what would you change and all that stuff? And then, you know, that, that moment where he's just like, I would go back in time to stop my son from enlisting. And then you just like, you get the answer. Cause you, of course you get the, the, the beats throughout the movie where you're okay. Separation agreements on the table um marion's clearly not around he sees the picture so he's wearing the wedding ring he he still has an infatuation and a love for her but then he's explaining through like you know he's mutt signed up very much like i think mutt would probably he's probably signs up for early nom you know my wife and i talked about this a lot we were like you know why would he sign up and 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 it's like yeah it could be at least in indy's mind it might be to spite him but we were we were like speculating it's like it's hard to it would be hard to grow up in the shadow of indiana jones like like you're you're henry jones the third like you also went through this major fight with the russians if you will like he probably thinks he has a bit of a sense of invincibility too once you hear about his dad's stories and accolades at that point and maybe the hubris just got to him that he thinks he could go be that in, in, in Nam or wherever he was sent to, to fight. I mean, we got to assume, I think it was probably Nam at this point. Um, but it would certainly would, it would line up the timeline of, of it all. And you know how that would just tear apart uh, a family. Like for, 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 you know, it seemed like Marion for a good part of her life was probably a single mother to, to, to Mutt. And, to have basically this world that she crafted for herself gone. And Indy's like, I I couldn't console her through the grief. Like, man, that's so understanding and, 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 and real. (laughs) Um, His work there, just that scene was great. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to say the same thing. Um, At that point, the, the, that heartfelt and poignant performance, just heartbreaking, absolutely heartbreaking by Harrison Ford and, and another winning scene. 
Definitely, definitely. And of course, and then the payoff later on of like, this is why you come back, right? This is why it's your destiny to be here. The, the dial of destiny is not to go back and change time. Like history is important to know, but your destiny is in the future and it's in the present, right? You can, those that linger in the past and want to change it, they aren't living in the present or moving to the future. I think it's the major theme of this movie that I was able to extrapolate even through all the stuff. <laughs> and um, that, that's powerful. That's powerful for all of us sitting in our chairs, right? I think we all could dwell on the past or linger on things that like, oh, if it would have went this way, maybe things would go my way. But like, you can't do anything about it. I, we could, I could go back in time and say, hey, don't buy these tickets. It's going to pour all night. <laughs> or you could say, great, I had a great day with my wife, regardless. And, and I get to see it again. And we had a fun experience. We're going to laugh about this today. You know, it's, it's not even 12 hours later. I'm still laughing about it. <laughs> so, um, you know, it, it's just a great lesson for all of us, which I think at the end of the day, like these stories are coming of age stories for all of us. You know, Star Wars specifically is definitely, I would say, argue a coming of age story for the 12 year old, 12 year olds and the 12 year old and all of us. And I think that degree Indiana Jones is that for, for, for a lot of things, too. And this movie particularly said, you know, live in the present look towards the future, do things, know the past, acknowledge it, but move on and um, try to make tomorrow better. And I think that that's certainly what exhibits in that final sequence where him and Marion try to reconcile and move forward together. Very well. So very, very well said. And also that scene right there that you just brought up is also very well executed with the callback to Raiders, right? Like where doesn't it hurt? Uh, It's just brilliant. Absolutely brilliant execution, great idea, great writing. And then at the very end, you know, it's focusing in on that hat. And you're like, okay, is this the end of the movie? Uh, uh, and in the very last second, the hand reaches out and grabs it. It's not telling us that we're getting more Indiana Jones stories with Harrison Ford. It's just telling us that he's reached a place. Just like you said, he stopped living in the past. And he's now looking forward to the future, to his future. He's still himself. He's still going to rock that fedora. And he may not need that bullwhip anymore, but he deserves to rest, to heal, to be happy. And that's the message I'm getting right now from the end of that movie. He's putting on that hat. He's going to live to the best of his ability. He's going to be happy. What a great ending. It's just, you can't ask for a better ending than that, right? Totally, totally. I, I was, you know, if there was any concern that I had about it, continue, like, I love the I love the ending so much of getting of Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Like that's a great happy ending. But this is also a good happy ending, and it's a real ending. Like this is definitely like it. It would be uh, in a way, it's almost hubris of us to think that just everything was hunky dory. That they got married after not being together for twenty years. Now they have a son. There wouldn't be any turmoil, no friction, none of this. Like he's already saying, you're going back to school. And like, yeah, of course, when you're in the midst of a fun adventure, like that all makes sense. And and um, they're going to laugh about it. But like when they have a Tuesday night and they're sitting on the couch watching the news and and Mutt's like, I'm just going to go work on my motorcycle. And then he's like, no, you're going back to school. If you studied tonight, like there's going to be some friction there. And, you know, maybe it amounts to what we see today. But in terms of like, why does this movie exist? Like there's a clear answer for this now. And I'm glad that it exists because it is a great bookend to a five film arc for this character where he's like no longer living in the past. He's living in the present. 
Yep, absolutely. Well, you know, it's it's funny in that last section, uh, the discussion about the movie in general started to focus in on characters. And that's one of the reasons why all these movies are so good, uh, because they have brilliant characters. They have wonderful characters, relatable characters, fun characters, interesting characters. And this movie is no exception. So focusing in on characters, what did you think about Helena Shaw, uh, who was played by Phoebe Waller-Bridge? How'd you like her as a new character, how they incorporated her into the story, where she came from, where she started and where she ended up? Yeah, I, I actually thought that Helena was a great standout of this movie. Um, I was, you know, I'm always weary when they say like femme fatale, which how they clearly described her throughout all the marketing and press, um, especially at Star Wars Celebration. She was like, I'm a femme fatale character. And like, you know, well, what does that mean in a modern context? Right. I thought that her being, you know, a goddaughter, a great, you know, foil to Indy, they were definitely worthy equals of each other. And she had valid reasons for, for what she was doing and all that stuff. Very, you know, I think, you know, if I were in the same situation, I might be doing the same thing myself. And at the end of the day, I thought that she was brilliant in saying, stop being stupid again. Like, I'm going to keep coming back to that sequence because I'm like, oh, is this really, I'm going to see Indy die here? Like, oh, God. I just, how many of my, you know, heroes do I have to see die on screen now? Is like they bring they, they bring them back for one more installment, and uh, and and for her to just like at the end of the day be a hero too in her own right. Say like, you know, I, sorry, punch in the face, you're going back to your own time, right? Like, I that's a great hero moment for me. Like I, I was I was doing a fist bump in the car. I was I was leap leaping out of my seat as my skin was pulling up off the <laughs> uh, off the off the um, car um, off the, the my seat car, and um, I thought she was really great. And I, I hope you know maybe there's a chance for more stories in the in the Helena of it all. I mean I don't know how the box office is going to shape out. I don't know what you know Disney Plus is you know they're canceling shows left and right on there, but. I, I don't know what the future holds for the indie franchise, but if they want to, I think there's a great avenue by which you could tell some Helena stories. Maybe if it's not necessarily through film or TV, perhaps it is a book. Perhaps they could expand in comics. Perhaps they could. I always am a big fan of animation, and I think that's a very low risk, high reward thing. And I think Indiana Jones would be a great series for animation wise to continue these stories. Um, whether it be Indy himself or Helena or something like that. Like, I think both would be uh, definitely excellent. So I, I'm glad that Helena exists. Like, obviously, I think when you hear the words femme fatale, I think like your question, like, oh, what does that mean? You, there was always like the, who is she related to? There was a lot of speculation about that leading into it. Cause they never really explained who her, her, uh, her, her dad is. And uh, obviously it's, it's, it's Basil Shaw played by Toby Jones. So, <laughs> um, it's not like like uh, 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 Belloc had a kid or something like that, and that's who she's right. It's not like that's the case here. So um, I'm glad that it wasn't like some like gotcha in your face kind of reveal type deal. And it it it, it didn't detract from the story at all. I I thought she was just very well acted. Love the charm of the character. Great wit. And um, I'm I, I hope for more. That's that's all I really hope for with that character is more. I would totally watch Helen Shaw stories. Uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is a brilliant actress. Uh, I loved her as L337, right? Um, so as Helena, she just comes from this place of just being motivated by money. She has no real attachments to people. Uh, by the end of the film, she's learned the value of a person. She saves the day, not just for people around her, 
but for Indy and all of us too. Uh, so where she's at now, it's a wonderful place. I felt like it was so appropriate, so poetic for her to be there in that final scene. She's the one that cared for him. The Dollar Destiny is sitting there on his bedstand. She she hadn't gone off and sold it. Uh, so that tells us she really has learned a very valuable lesson. Um, so she's got that noble heart now where she didn't necessarily have that at the beginning. And I also liked the goddaughter aspect of it. I have a goddaughter myself that we consider to be blood. We love her. Uh, she's part of our family. It's not like she's part of it. She is a part of our family. Uh, so I can relate to that love that Indy had for her. Uh, that was it was a really interesting way of introducing the character. You know, and I, I agree with you. I would watch, I'd read, experience more Helena stories by all means. Um, and then a character that we're blessed to have because of Helena Shaw is, is Teddy. I mean, Teddy, for me, he's the second coming of Short Round. He's got that same vibe. Uh, I'd watch more stories with him, too. Uh, and, you know, I thought, you know, he was absolutely portrayed with brilliance by Ethan Isidore. And apparently this is his first feature film. And I think he just absolutely killed it. He nailed it. And I loved it. Um, nothing seemed out of the ordinary for him. Even with the whole flying the plane at the end, they foreshadowed that a bit when he's uh, when he's sitting there at the auction and he's supposed to be the doorman. Right. But he's he's sitting there next to a pilot and he's got a little makeshift control panel. Even if that's just a little bit of a zany way to show us that he's got some experience with plane controls, it was enough for me to buy into the fact that he's, you know, at the end of the movie, he's now flying a plane. And then when they put that character in the back when he was sleeping, I thought that was brilliant because, you know, that character was able to help him land, obviously, you know, got them out. So I just thought it was it was all really well done. Love that character. Uh, and what did you think about Teddy? Uh, look, I, I, I enjoyed Teddy even though I didn't know his name up uh, was until I saw this. Uh, I have the cast, of course, on my other screen here. Uh, I, I just knew like, man, that character rocks. <laughs> I didn't actually hear the name as the, the beads of water were hitting the car. Um, <laughs> I missed that detail. So I'm glad to know that his name is Teddy. Um, it was a, Again, another standout character for, for me in this. I loved his um, his his, his com comedic bits, um, especially in that little like um, chase sequence in um, Tangier. Um, that, that was really great. Um, I love that a lot. And again, yeah, his his um, his wit, his his uh, on the spot thinking, his learning, his quick learning. Uh, again, this character. Um, Definitely, and and as the, you know, he's watching out for the frogman suit, like the whole thing in Greece too. Like, very loved all of that stuff. Like, he he was just a great addition to this trio of, um, you know, Indy, Helena, and Teddy. Like, the, the, those three are a great big three. I would certainly, you know, in, indulge more storytelling. Absolutely, yeah, uh, Teddy, <laughs> great addition to the entire Indy canon. Uh, so let's finish up our conversation about the characters with the villain. You can't talk about an indie movie without talking about the villains because the franchise has some of the best villains in cinema. Uh, Jürgen Voller, played by Mads Mikkelsen, who I'm now convinced I want to watch in everything. Anything that's on my screen, I just want him in it. So uh, he kills it every time he's on the screen. Uh, what did you think about the actual character of Jürgen Voller? Yeah, I mean, we're talking definitely antithesis of indie in this movie, right? I, well, a lot of these movies, the villain doesn't learn what Indy learns at the end of the day, and that's why they die. 
<laughs> they, you know, Belloc looks at the arc. Indy closes his eyes, right? Uh, Walter Donovan picks poorly. Indy doesn't pick poorly. <laughs> Indy knows not to necessarily, he doesn't need to know what the kingdom, we know what the interdimensional beings know. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, Kate Blanchett's character does need to know. And then she can't handle the information and blows up. <laughs> so like, again, we talk about like the main theme of this, like a character that is literally stuck in the past. He's like, man, if the Fuhrer had not done this, we'd have won. And Indy's like, yeah, I wish I could go back and do that, but I can't. I can't do that. I got it. Or, you know, I can go back to my own time or just the realization of like, okay, this this dial only goes back to this point in time. <laughs> right. Archimedes, too, is a person that's kind of stuck in their own time. Like, help help me. Help me um, escape the siege. Like, help us defeat the siege, this army that's sieging us right now. Um like it, it's totally just people stuck in their certain situations, circumcit, uh, certain uh, situations that they're in, and then Voller is just a f- further extent of that. Like this neo-Nazi that never really gave up on the ideology. I mean, certainly a character in history that we that we are, is not unto common, unfortunately. Um, these these characters that we brought in for the scientific reasons of the the, the space race in the Cold War and. Uh, both Russia and the United States were doing the, the same thing and you know, given basically some free pardons to some, some bad dudes. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, and he's, he's just, uh, yeah, he's just living in the past, living in the past. I, I, I like that he's not a historian. He's a physicist. So that also adds something different to the mix or Belloc is the opposite coin of, of Indy. Walter Donovan is um, just a, a guy with a lot of money that has an interest in history, if you ask me. <laughs> um, uh, and, uh, you know, Arena Spalkov is um, also kind of an opposite to Indy, but a knowledge-obsessed person. Um, whereas Indy's like, yeah, I know this stuff, but if, you know, it's not my, not my jam to know exactly everything about everything. But um, I think, uh, yeah, Voller is... Uh, the, 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 phys, the physicist of it all was was interesting. He's like everything can be explained with like math and all that stuff. And I said, like, oh, that's that's an interesting approach to this modern time too, because Indy kind of feels out of place a lot of this movie. Um, he feel like to me, I feel like not only like is he older, you see him on like a subway, something that like you know we we see him riding a horse in the Last Crusade, like you know going from a horse to a subway, and he rides a horse in this movie too. Like you're definitely a man, definitely out of time. You know, bringing back this concept of like what is time, and that is percolating throughout the rest of this movie. Um, and for him to be so forward with like science and and technology, but yet so backwards in terms of his thinking of like if we change something in history, who knows what the ripple effects could be. Um, and just having the, 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 the hubris to think that he could be potentially the fear too. <laughs> take out, take out Hitler or something, or at least that's how I, uh, I read it is like, if you know, you can take out Hitler, someone's got to fill in that vacuum hole and it might as well be me <laughs> if he didn't know what to do. Um, so the, you know, it's, again, I think, I think this is a great villain and to really dive into that last aspect of what Indy needed to learn for his full character arc and the rest of these movies, 
to be like, stop living in the past. Like, you, again, learn about it, but you got to live in the time. This man, the antithesis of that. He, he goes back in time to die there. <laughs> like, man. Nazi, you're, you're, I love the line, like, still, what, still a Nazi, right? He basically says, like, oh, you're still a Nazi? He's like, I don't even know who you are. <laughs> Jürgen is a great indie villain. Uh, and one thing that he has, and it really exists in all the characters that you mentioned, hubris. Uh, it's the way you think too highly of yourself. You take that ambition that could be such a good thing. And Indy shows us how you can use ambition as a good thing. Um, but these villains, they have the same thing, but they're using it for nefarious purposes. And Jürgen is the, is the same. He falls in line with that. Uh, I look at all the Indy movies as cautionary tales. And the villain is there to show us you can be born from the same root, which many of these villains are with Indy, but you can grow off in a way that you shouldn't. And it's going to lead to your demise. So they're cautionary tales for people to watch if they're looking for those kinds of things. So yeah, he falls right into step. Um, I felt like, well, I, I don't want to say uh, relatable because I'm not sure I'm going to be able to relate to a Nazi, but um, but an understandable villain with his motives, you know, and whatnot. Uh, again, you know, going back to your conversation or our conversation on your podcast, Forest Ghost Conversations about um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, I wasn't all that impressed with Kate Blanchett's character, just because I sort of felt like she was sort of on the nose with a little bit of the mustache twirling. Um, this was the opposite of that. I really felt like this was more of a throwback. Uh, I felt dread when he was on the screen. You probably didn't because you couldn't see the screen. <laughs> but uh, when you see it again, you'll see what I mean. Uh, and it comes from the performance, right? Because, but it, I mean, it's also the character, the writing. You know, he's just a very worthy villain for a very worthy indie movie. And really, that's what I sort of land on. This is a very worthy Indiana Jones movie. Um, this stands up to the, to the cream of the crop, right? So so let's do this because we're podcasters and we always have to do this. We have to rank stuff. <laughs> uh, we can sit here for another two hours, honestly, and, and talk about this because you're a great guy and we're having a wonderful conversation. Um, but I'm always respectful of people's time. So I don't want to keep you from Mrs. Forrest Goes Conversations for too long. So let's end off on this. Uh, give me your final thoughts on the film and then rank it from five okay. to one. You got it. Um, so final thought on the movie. So um, I will say three, th two quick things. And then the last final thought here. So um, I just wanted to, and especially in that opening sequence where there's the Germans again, there's, um, there's the guy that's above um, Jürgen Bowler, who's uh, Colonel Weber. Um, as I'm seeing what the, the characters' names are, actually, I don't know if I actually know was named in the in the sequence, but uh, he's played by Thomas Kreschmann, who I was just like, I looked at my wife, I was like, this guy plays a German in everything. He like he's typecast as a Nazi, and of course, I have his IMDb up here. <laughs> this man's literally played in so many roles as being a Nazi. Like he's in The Pianist, he's in Downfall. He's I'm like, man, he's in Valkyrie, he's in Stalingrad. Um, dude, dude, like half of his acting credits are for being Nazis. Like, man, uh, poor guy is just, you know, you just, when you know German, I guess, and you're an actor, you kind of, there's only so many roles, I guess, for you in, in Hollywood these days, unfortunately. Um, but so that's where, that's one of the things that I want to just point that out. I'm like, man, that guy's in everything as a Nazi. I'll tell you. Um, and, uh, the la the other thing before I move on to my actual final thoughts is I love actually 
Um, so as a historian, I have also, and especially after watching these indie films, I've, I have too become obsessed with like religious um, uh, uh, artifacts and items. And my actual, like the number one that I study the most and, and <laughs> uh, my, to my wife's chagrin is um, the Holy Lance is actually like my top thing that I like really am so like indebted into. Um, and when they actually had, and I was like, oh, is, there, is it really like Dial of Destiny? Is that actually like the Holy Lance, like the Spear of Destiny? Like, is it actually just like you open it up and it turns into like a dial that you can go back in time with? And I thought I was, of course I could see it. And I was like, oh man, this is, I was, I was geeking out. I was like, you know, hitting the seats and like, you know, punching the ceiling and all that stuff. Like I was so excited to see that thing. And they're like, it's a fake. And of course, you know, it models the one that's actually in Austria that they claim to be the Spear of Destiny. That is actually, you know, it, it technically, is a, I would assume it's a fake. Um, but that's the one that uh, Hitler and um, others were, were seeking out. Um, there's there's two others out percolating out in the world that claim to be the Spear of Destiny, or at least pieces of the Spear of Destiny. So if anyone wants to go on a tirade about the Spear of Destiny, just feel free to hit me up on all my social channels, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll debrief that further. Um, but uh, so, and then finally, my my final thought is, man, I love this movie. I can't wait to actually see it for the first time again. Um, but obviously, I, I I picked up a lot on it because you know we're we're what an hour and a half plus into this conversation at this point, which has been great. And I, I love talking about this movie, and there's so much to continue the conversation about with uh, on this movie. And um, I, I I can't wait to watch it again, just just to enjoy it as a fan. I can't wait to have more discussions with with both you and our our the fan base and our you know social circles that we connect with that are also into this type of stuff. Um, Yep, basically. <laughs> yes, I I get to see it again for the first time. Like I will see, I'll, I'll maybe hear Teddy's name. Like maybe they go like, "This is Teddy." I I don't know because I had to hold the the. There was a certain point where because the rain was coming down so hard, I had to hold the the speaker right behind beside our heads. And like, I, I might've missed like a whole big chunk of dialogue about this movie at a, in that point. So very excited to, you know, just hear all this again, but I think this movie rocked. I, I love that. I honestly, I will say like my big takeaway and this isn't a, please no one take this as a knock against James Mangold. Cause it's not meant to be at all. This is like meant to be the highest form of, of, of um, compliments that I can ever give to somebody is that I felt like Steven Spielberg directed this movie. I wouldn't have known that James Mangold directed this. I, you know, until you see at the end directed by James Mangold, everything felt like a continuation from kingdom of the crystal skull, last crusade onwards to this one. It didn't feel like, you know, didn't feel like JJ Abrams directed this. Like, of course there are probably some things that he has stylistically that was like, yes, this is a, a flair of the James Mangold, if you will. But it felt very much Spielbergian overall. It felt respectful to the other films that came before it. They didn't just immediately come in and say, well, Mutt's dead guys. No, it meant, it meant something to the story to have that effect for the character and how I was able to bring these, you know, Marion and him back together at the end of the movie. So like, these were definitely, I had no, uh, I will say like, sorry to keep going on my final thoughts here, but um, my, like my initial fear going into the force awakens was like, how will like, how will this carry on in a post 
without George Lucas and all that stuff. And and I love what we got. So like, I like calmed down after the first 10 minutes of the force awakens my first viewing. Cause I was like, I was so worried. I was like, Oh, please be a crawl. Like these are questions that I had that I didn't know would, would happen. Um, so of course now like that same little thing happened in the transition of the indie where I was like, okay, if the first 10 minutes go by and there's nothing that like, I'm so protective of these films. So I want them to like live up to the legacy that set forth for them. I didn't want that to be in, inhibited at all, you know, with the next installment. Um, and and once I saw like this, this Holy Lance and all that stuff and the de-aging, I was like, okay, we're we're fine. We're fine. We're good. And James Mangold knocked it out of the park with this one, in my opinion. And uh, I will say, you know, I'm thrilled that he gets a Star Wars film next. Um, I, I'm very excited to see where he goes with that one. So any lingering fears that anyone may have about this guy in his career, um, throw that out the window. And, and looking forward to what he does next. I'm very excited to see this movie again for the first time. See, right? It's the, the tagline for the special edition. See him again for the first time. That's basically what I will be doing on, on uh, I believe, uh, probably go on the 4th to see it again. So <laughs> that is my final thought on the movie. Let's Before you get to your ranking, can I just make an observation? You're one of the rare individuals that legitimately will be able to see the same movie for the first time again. <laughs> You know, every once in a while you, you see on the socials, like, um, name a movie that you want to go back and see for the first time again. You're literally going to do that, you know, and, and I feel privileged to know you. <laughs> so let's rank these bad boys. I'll probably put Kingdom of the Crystal Skull at five at this point. Um, I'll probably put Temple of Doom uh, at four, and then I'll put Dial at three, uh, Last Crusade at two, and uh, Raiders at one. And that's where I'll go right now. You're not going to get an argument from me. <laughs> you know, before we get to my ranking, uh, I want to comment on James Mangold. I think you pay the man a high compliment. You didn't realize he was directing the film, you know, because this just, it just fits like a hand in the glove to the overarching indie world. Uh, he brought it and I'm excited to see what he does with Star Wars too. Uh, so all excellent points. I don't know that I could add to any of them, except maybe I do feel like this is an indie movie, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know what better way that I could compliment it. And can you believe that we just sat here talking as much as we did about this movie without mentioning John Williams more than just the fact that you guys were playing uh, the soundtrack on your way home. <laughs> but again, he brought it too. Uh, an indie movie is in my opinion is nothing without John Williams, similar to star Wars. Um, I just sat there when the credits started rolling and, and any movie that we go to that doesn't have a post credit scene, we all just sort of look at each other like, okay, so, you know, when do you, always, when do you want to go? We'll typically give it a few minutes and, and then we'll move on out. But at, at this, this time, I looked at my wife and I said, we're going to stay here for a few minutes because um, I want to listen to the maestro, right? It, you never know if this is going to happen again. So um, all the lies that he's touched... Uh, I don't know that you can define it. I'm not sure you can actually put into words, you know, because it's music. It takes us to a different place on a different level, but he absolutely brought it just like Harrison did, just like Mangold did, like everybody, everybody else. Um, they brought it for this movie. And I agree with you. I'm so glad that it exists and that it's part of the indie world. Uh, so I'm going to rank mine uh, pretty similar to you. Crystal Skull will go fifth. And again, um, you know, we talked about, you know, we talked for an hour and a half on your show about how much we love the movie, but Somebody has to get 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 that fifth spot. Um, Temple of Doom, I'm going to put fourth, and Dial will go third. Um, 
Where we differ is I actually put Last Crusade ahead of Raiders, and I think it's because of the dad and son element that does it for me. Uh, so Raiders will go second, and I always I always ask myself, what are you doing? Um, the the reason we have these films is because of Raiders of the Lost Ark. How can you put that number two? But then you know I just I just go with it. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I, I almost wish that we could get one more indie movie because we would have two trilogies, right? So you can look at the Last Crusade as the true ending to the first trilogy, and then you make one more to get a second trilogy. I, I know I know it's not happening. Um, but you know, the last crusade for me is is almost a perfect movie in the first place. Uh, you get that last scene where they're riding off in the sunset. This is why we go to the movies. This is why we love movies, the scenes like that. Uh, and I feel like dial of of destiny definitely gives us that moment with the hat, with seeing his family, his found family walking off down the street to go get ice cream. He's in the apartment with Marion. They're reconciling, and you can see that last zoom in on that hat. I am just thrilled that we were able to sit down and talk about this movie. Uh, Again, like I said, we could sit here and talk more and more and more about it, but I do want to be respectful of your time. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for coming on a long overdue appearance on the Colby cast. Uh, Tell us a little bit about Force Ghost Conversations and let us know where we can interact with you on social media and where we can find the podcast. Yeah, absolutely, Colby. Thanks again for having me on. And anytime that you uh, want me to come on again in the future, I'm just I'm only a phone call away and happy to hop on anytime. Um, so for the listeners at home, if you like what you heard today, we typically do the same amount of uh, analysis and cozy conversation on Forest Ghost Conversations, which is uh, primarily a Star Wars podcast. But we also dabble in Indiana Jones and Willow and whatever Lucasfilm may do from time to time. Um, and we do deep dive discussions, do all things books, comics, uh, television, movies, you know, Ahsoka's coming around the corner. So if you want to enjoy the the conversations that we'll be having around that in the near future, then be sure to check us out. We're available on all uh, podcast platforms. So uh, Spotify, um, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, you name it. If there's a podcast site, we're probably on it in some way, shape or form. So just search for Force Ghost Conversations and we'll be there. And uh, we're also available on most social media platforms, including Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok and Hive. And again, just search Force Ghost Conversations on those platforms and you'll find us to some degree there and you can just engage in the conversation there if you want to talk all the fun stuff that we talked about today or even if you want to do a deep dive into the Holy Lance, you know, that's always on the table, guys. Don't don't let this opportunity slip. Trust me, I don't know this knowledge for no, no reason. Um, so thanks again, Colby, for having me on. It's been a blast. I feel so fortunate to have unearthed that little nugget of information about you. <laughs> now, now the possibilities are endless here. Uh, but seriously, you do a great job on Forest Ghost Conversations. It's positive. I, you know, I feel like I'm a broken record every time I'm lucky enough to have one of my friends on to talk about stuff here. But the community that we're all a part of is second to none. Uh, some of the best people I've met are people in this circle of friends that we've all created. And I'm very grateful to be a part of it. I'm grateful to have you be a part of it as well. So thank you, Anthony, for coming on and sharing your thoughts on the movie and just being yourself because you're a great guy and I feel very lucky to be friends with you. Uh, And yeah, so once other things start coming out and you mentioned Ahsoka, uh, who knows what else is on the radar, um, you may just be getting another text message uh, here from me. So I I appreciate you taking the time. Hey, yo, ready to be a a regular recurring guest. So, hey, yo. (laughs) 
That's right. You know, right now, uh, Ross Holobin is the record holder for repeating guests, uh, because at this point, I just consider him to be part of the family. <laughs> so, you know, that's the guy to beat. So you're telling me I have a goal to beat here. I gotta, I gotta beat Ross's title. Okay. He's all the right. king. So, you know, you gotta chase after him. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to do it for our conversation about Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Again, Anthony, thank you very much. So for Anthony King, this is Colby reminding you that I'm just making this up as I go. You can find the Colby cast on Twitter and Instagram at the Colby cast. If you're wordy like me, you can send an email to thecolbycast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the show and leave a review on your favorite podcast app or wherever you listen to podcasts. This podcast is not endorsed by anyone or anything for that matter. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Colby cast, unless otherwise indicated. That'll do, donkey. That'll do.